Hello and welcome to Wands and Fronds, the weekly podcast where we cover magic, herbalism, and more. I'm Shannon. And I'm Nick. And we're your co-hosts. So um, a quick disclaimer up top. I'm recording downstairs so y'all might hear Willow in the background. Apologies, but you have to deal with it because tomorrow's her birthday and she unapologetically takes up space. But with that said, uh, I'm talking about holy basil. Uh, Tulsi is probably the way a lot of y'all have seen it described, but it's kind of a big deal. Uh, We'll get into it, but it's like heavy hitter territory. Oh yeah, no, Tulsi is that girly. She is that girly. But okay, so this week I'm talking about the endless cycle of death and rebirth known in uh, Eastern religions as samsara. So that's um, a really rough outline of what we're talking about, but I think we're going to kind of um, blast off to another dimension with this we one. We are going to blast off. And y'all, this is, um, if you imbibe in the marijuana, uh, roll yourself something delicious to smoke and lay back and let our dulcet tones invade your moment. Because uh, I think this is going to be a fun one. But we're going to actually do like the plant topic up top so but before we get into that nick when did you feel the magic this week well you know i'll tell you today especially has been so today we did have like a a work meeting that basically consisted of doing a wine tasting of sicilian wines and then and then and then we all had to fillet and then eat a um a whole sea bass Wow, moment of silence for the difficulty that Nick endured at his work today. But I will say that was actually a lovely time. Yeah, that sounds um, great. And the 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 sea bass itself was very nice. But also it's finally back to feeling like spring. So I mean for people out there who are in Texas, you know, it was like 91 degrees on my birthday on the 3rd and we are recording 10 yeah. days later and it was actually like 80 degrees today. But in the meantime, it has been like in the 50s and cloudy for like a yeah. goddamn week and a half. Okay, the weather is so whack because here we were supposed to have like 60s like upper 60s into the mid 70s and sunny it's fucking like misting outside like this is goddamn seattle like yeah so i like but the sun came out today and it was actually warm again and you know the sky was blue the clouds were out i mean truly what more could you want that is magical Um, I think my moment, and I I texted you, Nick, I went to another Aries friend of mine, um, her birthday party last weekend, which was so much fun. But as part of her gift, I actually made her like a fresh cut flower bouquet from my own garden, feet like daffodils and some zinnia and my sweet peas that honestly like Bath and Body Works wasn't, like, that far off with the sweet pea scent. Like, we're all going to have to just have a moment of real talk with that. Um, But putting together my, like, this bouquet from my garden, I felt like fucking Persephone. I was like, I am a spring goddess. These are my gifts. And it just was, like, it was amazing. It was such a magical time. And it smelled divine. I have these, like, 
gorgeous daffodils that were in my mixed daffodils that I got from Holland bulbs. What, what shout out. Um, and they're like, the smell on them is gorge, but they're not like regular daffodils. They're cool daffodils. Um, they have like multiple layers in the center cup. So it kind of looks like there's a little carnation in the daffodil, but they smell like fucking heaven little little okay. roughly boys they're roughly boys um they're definitely giving us like ron at the ball um <laughs> but let's get into it because i think this is gonna be a fun one um <clears throat> but holy basil so again heavy hitter topic uh because it's also known as sacred basil holy basil kind of a big deal it's also very very popular with herbalists and in particular in ayurveda which we'll get into in a second but um i'm pretty sure i've already talked about it on this podcast but there was this quote that i read about tulsi basil that was like you know for the new herbalist if you're ever worried about prescribing someone the wrong herb just tell them to drink a cup of tulsi tea every day and you'll almost always be right like what a shining endorsement it helps with so much that it's like if you're confused and you don't know tulsi basil it's like my european history teacher for the ap exam was like when in doubt charlemagne um it's it's a good rule when in doubt tulsi basil but the other thing that i love about it is that it's actually like really easy to grow so I don't know if any of y'all have tried to grow like garden basil, Italian basil. That's a finicky bitch. Um, I'm just going to say it. Like it's one of those I, herbs that's kind of like a diva. Looks completely different depending on the time of day you even look at it. Like. Yeah. Yeah. So She's <laughs> moody. She is. And I grew some purple basil last year that did really well. But honestly, like. At the end of the day, the Tulsi basil was the fucking easiest thing I probably grew as far as herbs go last year. Um, I mean, I'm replanting it by seed this year uh, because I like changed out my little cedar grow box that I have. So, you know, we'll see. Maybe last year it was just a great year for Tulsi. But in my experience so far, it has been one of the easiest herbs to grow. Um, so what, what does it look like? Well, it's a shrubby boy. Okay, it can get up to about three feet tall, but it's really like, it's it's cute, it's kind of fluffy, it looks a lot like basil, uh, the leaves are green and purple, they're arranged in opposites, and the stem is like slightly hairy, which is different than garden basil, but really like the leaves look kind of similar when they're full grown. Um, this The flowers are really cute too, they range from like white to this pretty like light purple lilac, and they're just like with regular basil they're the shoots that have all the tiny little flowers on them which are just like super cute bees go bananas for the tulsi flowers like i can confirm the bees live for these flowers so if you want to make the bees happy also an excellent choice but it's native to the lowland regions of india sri lanka pakistan bangladesh southern china thailand and malaysia so you might have noticed from that list of locations, this is a very geographically like Asian plant. Because of that, there's not a lot of like medieval antiquities, Western herbalists writing about it. Like you're, there's no Culpepper writing about Tulsi basil. Um, but 
it is like a huge plant for Ayurveda, like people that do Ayurvedic medicine. Um, in India, Tulsi is also considered sacred to the Hindu god Vishnu, kind of a big deal. Uh, and the plant itself is seen as like a manifestation of the goddess uh, Vrindavani um, or of Lakshmi, uh, who is the goddess of wealth and also happens to be Vishnu's consort. So it makes sense that, you know, they'd share that interest. But in Sanskrit, Tulsi literally means that which is incomparable. So it's a big deal. Um, again, this is pretty easy to grow in warm climates. So I really do like suggest y'all give it a try if you're interested. Um, just like a brief rundown on how to grow it. I personally sourced my seeds from this company called Strictly Medicinal. So I found them because it's like the seeds that were carried at my local herb shop, but they have a really badass website too. So like I do recommend and they have these like cute little kits, like you can get a tea garden set of seeds or like a beginner's Ayurveda garden. So you can kind of like one and done if you don't know what to grow. Um, I also like planted some nettle seeds that I got from there a few weeks ago. So fingers crossed, but Strictly Medicinal is like a really like legit source of like good herbal seeds online. Moving forward um, with Tulsi. You want to plant it somewhere that gets good light, but I wouldn't like stress about full sun because it actually really enjoys some dappled shade. And I think if you're in places that are hotter, most of your plants are probably going to want a little of afternoon shade because none of us like being roasted alive. Um, but I grew mine on my, um, my porch is kind of like an interesting direction because it's like, it's on the south tipped side of east so it's like not southeast because that's way too south facing but it's like a little canted to the south of east but I also have like two big trees so I grew it out on my porch with like basically eastern exposure and dappled shade and the Tulsi was like boom we love it um so they're also perennials if you're not like me and you don't just like rotate your garden every year because <laughs> I don't have enough to do, why wouldn't I just pull up my plants and start over? Um, you can just like keep one going year after year. Um, so overall though, they're really easy. Like you can treat them well. They like a light kind of loamy soil, but they'll also take hold in like just about anything. So, you know, don't like, don't fret about your Tulsi. You're going to have like plants that are kind of divas don't worry about Tulsi. Spend all your mental energy on those on those bitches. Um, they are plants that can get like a little bit of a powdery mildew situation, just like regular basil. But one of the ways that you can kind of like help mitigate that a little bit is to water at the base of the plant to make sure you're not letting like wet dirt splash up on the leaves. That's it's a good rule of thumb for most of your plants. But again, some places just have more powdery mildew than others. And um, if you get it, like it happens, make that really disgusting milky, like water. It's like half milk, half water, put it in a spray bottle, spray it on your plants. It's like kind of gross, but it does work and it kills the mildew. So the last thing I'll note is you don't want to fertilize it. <laughs> and the reason is like uh, when you fertilize something like Tulsi, it can actually like kind of go off and produce a lot and get really full really fast which sounds great but the volatile oils are what have the medicinal properties in them and even like 
the tasty properties. And when it explodes like that and puts on a lot of new growth rapidly, you're actually diluting the oils within the plant. So it seems counterintuitive because you're like, wouldn't I want to feed it and have it grow? Yes, but within reason and slowly so you can enjoy all the delicious oils. So again, it's really easy. Don't stress about it. But I, again, there's some different varieties that you'll see. And I'm talking about Strictly Medicinal because I just am obsessed with them. But they have this really cool variety pack, actually, that has the four different, like, common varieties you see of Tulsi. So there's Krishna, Rama, Temperate, and Vana Tulsi. Temperate Tulsi of those is probably the easiest to grow. So if you were going to pick one, that's the one I would go with. But if you want to grow four different kinds of Tulsi basil, you can like go buy a kit with all of these in it, which I think is for fellow plant nerds, kind of fun. So unsurprisingly, they taste like basil. Um, no big shocker there. It's in the mint family. I think that a Tulsi tea with a little bit of honey in it is like, that's the ticket because I love like basil with a bit of sweetness. So that's one of my favorite ways to have it. But also, and I haven't done this before, but I want to do it next summer. I think this is a great candidate for sun tea. It's really, really tasty. I would love like a Tulsi sun tea. Right? Like, I'm here for it. I think that that's the way to go. Um, okay, but let's talk about medicinal uses. Disclaimer. Y'all, I'm not a doctor. Nick's not a doctor. This podcast is not intended to treat or diagnose anything. Please don't take your medical advice from podcasters. Talk to your doctor. Um, okay. So up top, before we talk about like the medicinal stuff, I, I do have to point out, so uh, herbalist Rebecca Altman, who's like really well-respected, has pointed out, as well as other people, that they don't tend to see much difference in the herbal effects between holy basil and common basil. Do with that what you will. I think that if you have a spiritual tie to something like Tulsi and you feel drawn to it, that's going to have uh, like a noted impact on how your body responds to it. So, you know, it's the great thing about working with plants. Take what you want, leave the rest. We're all just doing our best. So energetically, this is a plant that's considered both warming and cooling, which, you know, you might be like, uh, how that feels made up, but it's, it's because it's got these like stimulating volatile oils, which can help with conditions that, um, cause like cold congestion, you know, but it's also like initially stimulating as a nervine. So it's got this like ability to kind of like cool things down while stimulating them. And it, it's like, I think if you think about mint, that's how something has those, like that duality in it. So some herbalists do recommend starting the day with a cup of Tulsi tea. And I think that that also sounds delightful. I'm dead without caffeine in the morning because now I work in elementary school and have to be up at an ungodly hour. But if you're one of those people that can just have herbal tea in the morning, Tulsi might be uh, good for that. It's also suggested though in situational depression. So uh, I, I want to point out that this is different than like generalized depressive disorders. Um, situational depression, when we're looking at it in like the herbal tradition, if you think about things like a close family member passes away or, you know, you lose a job or there's like a huge life overhaul, these situations that like bring on depressive symptoms 
are not something that would necessarily have someone like diagnosed as having depression. Um, I, I just feel like it's really important to make that distinction. Yeah, but, we're not talking about um, major depressive disorder. Yeah, exactly. It's like, if you're going through some shit, Tulsi tea is potentially a really great ally. Um, it is, again, it's in the mint family. So it's got this like opening kind of balancing situation. So I think that it makes sense energetically that it would be good for like grieving or like moving through these like big intense emotions. Um, there's also a lot of people that suggest it for, you know, digestion. It's, it's a mint, the basil, same thing. It can help with like bloating, indigestion, things like that. That minty friend of ours is also good for like sinuses, congestion. You know, it does that thing where it like opens up and helps promote drainage, but is also cooling and soothing. It has a really like long history of use for respiratory balance. Um, it's because it's also good at being an expectorant, right? So in India, it's really commonly recommended as um, like if you have like bronchitis or some sort of like cold that's causing bronchial mucus, they'll suggest Tulsi tea. So um, it's great for that. It's also an immunomodulator, which is basically a fun word that means it's helping it, it helps to like strengthen and balance your immune system. So they've done some clinical trials and they've been able to show like an improvement in the immune function of healthy volunteers. And by healthy volunteers, that typically just means it's not someone who's dealing with like an active illness. Um, I, I just feel like that language doesn't feel super clear when you're looking at clinical studies, but it doesn't mean that like they're just giving it to healthy people to see what happens. It's it's like they're they're giving it to people who don't have other underlying conditions initially. Um, there have also been some studies that indicate that Tulsi could be a good ally for people that are going through like cancer treatment. And there have been preclinical studies that show that Tulsi can have a preventative effect against chemical-induced skin, liver, oral, and lung cancers. So they, in these studies showed that Tulsi was able to like increase antioxidant activity, which helped inhibit um, metastasis. So basically it, it kept things from metastasizing. Um, so they're doing some additional research into using Tulsi to protect against like radiation induced sickness. So these are, again, like these are uh, specifically like chemical induced cancers, not necessarily genetic cancers. Um, I just want to be like, again, really clear on that. This isn't like someone who has an inherited genetic predisposition. It's someone who was like exposed to some shit. Mesothelioma. So. Call now. Oh my God. <laughs> you were a loved one. Um, <clears throat> it's again a nervine, so it's good at regulating your nervous system. Um, our friend Rebecca, Rebecca Altman, she suggests Tulsi um, for people with ADHD. Hey yo, because it can help calm and balance your brain, but also one of the important things it helps with is memory issues. Uh, notoriously, people with ADD and ADHD suffer from like memory problems. Our brains don't like to keep it. Um, the number of times I've had to like sit there for a minute and a half to think about a word that I definitely know is kind of embarrassing as a grown woman. So finally, um, the stimulating and warming actions of Tulsi can help promote menstruation. So if you have amenorrhea, if you have not had your cycle, um, 
the antispasmodic actions though also soothe menstrual cramping. So that's pretty dope because a lot of things that will stimulate menstruation don't do shit about the cramping. It's kind of just like a bam and the floodgates open. Tulsi's like, we're going to open the floodgates, but then also give you a massage, which is nice. Sounds That's nice of her. And she's polite. She's polite like that. Um, that action is, though, why you should avoid Tulsi if you're pregnant or trying to become pregnant. There you go. Um, I was going to include at the end here, the ancient Indian texts do describe using a pulse, uh, poultice of Tulsi roots and leaves for snake bites and scorpion stings. Uh, do with that what you will. Uh, but again, please go to the ER if you were like <laughs> stung by something scary and poisonous like a scorpion. I... I like don't okay, have but a... you know what I actually learned, and I'm gonna throw this on because you already brought it up. There is actually apparently an app for people who like who might be more inclined, I guess, to encounter these things in like Australia and Asia, <laughs> etc. Where it tells you where the nearest dose of antivenom is. Okay, hot tips for people in those areas. Um yeah i think I, it's worldwide because it's like based on google maps yeah i mean but like i don't know i don't think myself living here in los angeles is gonna have um an immediate need for anti <laughs> but i'm like terrified of scorpions i think that well, i was gonna say you here. say that but there's scorpions in your area Oof, yeah I there's mean, not hot scorpions in your area looking to meet you um Wow, that's definitely worth paying $9.99 a month. So let's talk magic. So again, this is a plant that doesn't have like a strong tie to Western tradition. So I've seen a lot of mixed messages about its association. Um, a few places list like it's Mars, it's associated with Scorpio. And I am fine with people thinking what they think, but I'm going to give you my personal opinion, my hot take. I get like big Jupiter vibes from Tulsi. Let me explain. So it's very like generous and expansive with the physical and emotional properties it treats, but it's also associated with like wealth and prosperity through Lakshmi and Vishnu, who Tulsi again is said to be sacred to the second god in the uh, Hindu Trimurti. Uh, Vishnu is said to be responsible for returning to earth during troubled times to restore the balance of good and evil. So that's giving me Libra vibes. But Vishnu being like one of the major Hindi deities also kind of like lends itself to my Jupiter theory because when you think about the deities traditionally associated with Jupiter, you're looking at Odin, Zeus, Hera, Dagda, Isis, like head honchos, right? Vishnu's kind of an HBIC. Again, Jupiter. And the like balancing thing with Libra, like, uh, one of the things like with Vishnu is like Vishnu is supposed to also be helpful for things like balancing chakras. Um, and again, this is all like, uh, not again, first time. This is all very like surface understanding of Hindi. I'm like just full on disclaimer as a white lady here. But this is, that was my understanding from what I was reading about it. Um, so I do think though, with all that said, like this is a really good plant to work with if you're feeling out of alignment but also I think if you're wanting to like manifest some of that like boss energy, right? So personally though, I've been feeling like hella out of alignment lately, which um, y'all have probably noticed if you've listened to the last few episodes of this podcast. 
So I think that doing like a meditation and drinking Tulsi tea, because drinking like really strong herbal teas is both like, it's a taste experience, but it's also like, it's a full sensory experience, right? Because you have like the heat and the warmth and that's like the touch. You get the smell and the sensation on your face. You get the taste of it. You get like the sounds of boiling kettles of water. You know, it's like, I feel like making tea is like really like an entire sensory experience. So that's, that's magic to me too. The like meditative exercise of doing that while you're well, and I just want to say the main people I've known in my life that were big Tulsi users were tea people. Yeah. Like already. It tracks. it tracks. So, you know, I think if you want to get specific and you're like, Shannon, how do I do this as like a spell? You could like schedule time on a Thursday, traditionally associated with Jupiter, to do this type of practice. Um, it also, though, you know, having all those head honcho vibes, it's got some like good protective energies, you know, kind of like balancing good and evil by Vishnu is kind of a big deal. So I do think that it's a great recommendation to sprinkle some under your doormat. You know, we're going to say it. Oh, yeah. But, but I also like the idea. I was thinking about this because I have this wreath that I made on my front door. How cute would it be to take some of the like, flower stalks when they come up and dry them and then like tuck the Tulsi flowers into like your wreath on your door oh yeah of course of course craft witch um and I think that it's like that's something like simple and cute that packs a punch but really I'm I'm gonna call it here like Tulsi basil holy basil huge deal we love her I think she's delicious I'm not actively like trying to get pregnant so I don't have any reason not to enjoy it um again if you are don't um so today I use like uh some research on the BBC because of course uh UK can't get their dick out of India so you know they got all the stuff about like Hindu tradition on the BBC website um I also use like Britannica and like other articles I didn't just trust the Brits if anyone from India is listening I apologize um I also used the herbarium I used gardening know-how the strictly medicinal website so yeah Tulsi Tulsi she's here she she is here okay so this week we're doing something that I think is uh very interesting and maybe a little different but hold on I am um actively looking for my lighter because we're talking about reincarnation aka samsara and since we've kind of covered um some shinto topics thus far i mean you know it's i'm kind of personally doing like a deep dive into the research of uh, sort of eastern philosophy not for really my own like religious purposes but um, just to kind of make sense of what I'll be seeing while I'm over there. And um, so kind of with that in mind, we did think with the, um, you know, the Ayurvedic medicine of it all with the Tulsi, it might be kind of fun to do a topic on that. So we, reincarnation, which is like really kind of a big deal in Hinduism, Jainism, Sikhism, and Buddhism. Um, so I guess let's get into it. Uh, reincarnation, 
or samsara is the idea that like your atman or your soul reincarnates uh into better or worse reincarnations based on the karma that you accumulate in your lifetime so kind of the difference of opinion of it all is really kind of part of the defining features of like what is the difference between like hinduism jainism and sikhism and buddhism um so it's really kind of like at the root of a lot of eastern philosophy is sort of how do you respond to the idea of reincarnation um because here's my thing here's my thing and this is why i was looking for my letters because i'm like basically we're just going to smoke weed and talk about it if your reincarnation is based on your karma which is you know sort of all the the grand total of all the good deeds and all of the bad deeds that you've done in your entire life on balance you know that's what you've got going into your next life but it's also part of it that you do not remember your past life you don't you don't consciously remember your past life so you go through all of this suffering based on your past life but you don't really have even like sort of the satisfaction or 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 whatever of like knowing what past you did that means you're like born into famine and poverty and or as as a dog as a homeless dog a homeless dog in the street I, I have to say when you put it that way it almost starts to feel a little victim blamey no it really does it really does and so they sort of address that like basically some I mean, actually, the the sort of debate around reincarnation really is, I think, like one of the main schools of thought in Eastern philosophy, right? Because yeah. this is literally what they sit around thinking about and talking about. Um, so basically, there's this idea that like, yes, your reincarnation is determined by your karma in this lifetime, but only up to a certain extent. And that there is this sort of bigger energy in the universe, which is the Dharma, which is sort of like the grand plan, yeah. right? And, but then there's also this idea of, you know, kind of, is there a soul or is it all just one thing, like one kind of like earth consciousness? Yeah. Uh, which it gets really trippy, which is why I'm like, I don't really know. There's so much to kind of, wrap your head around here yeah so we're we're trying to to do the like um you know the bubble wrap adding version of because we don't want to blow anyone we don't want to blow up anyone's brain right no and it's like it's some big philosophy stuff I mean I think that I've always personally and this is just like again one lady's opinion my problem with certain schools of reincarnation is they like they kind of rub at me in the in a bad way in the way that like sects of Christianity do and like other Abrahamic religions is I hate this idea that like some aspects of certain religions feel like it's ways that people in power just like convince themselves that they did it they did it themselves like that they earned this oh no it's 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 not just that they earned it but you say as a peasant right yeah 
you did something in your past life and now you're paying it off in this life and you should just accept that you're a peasant and you should like live that live the life that you were born into live the life that you earned peasant because that is your karmic work and that's going to get you closer to now here's the thing do we believe that it ends or do we believe that it's forever or as the James believe, do we believe that it uh, everyone is reincarnated 8,400,000 times exactly? That feels too specific for me. And then, I'd never remember. And you go through apparently all of the, the reincarnations that one soul needs to go through um, is 8,400,000. 8, hmm. I mean, I... Who are we to say what that number is? Well, who are we? Who are? And that's really where, I mean, if we're talking about Christianity, if we're talking about the witchy community, I mean, really when someone tells you, when you, when you, I feel like the thing with Eastern philosophy is like, yeah, you know what? Practicing mindfulness is great. Yeah. And yoga is great. And I feel like they slice very close to something that I would called the truth but there always is that moment where they're like this is the truth just because that's what we think the truth is yeah and i think that it's in the witchy community in my experience like the people i know i feel like we're very much the people that are just like as soon as someone says this is the truth the end we're like i don't know about that i don't know about that (laughs) so so (laughs) But no, I mean, it's like, uh, and you know, there's a a short story called The Egg by Andy Weir, I believe, which kind of talks about basically the idea in that is that there's only one soul in our world, in our entire world, that's just reincarnating as everyone and everything. God, that poor soul. That sounds exhausting. And then at the end, it's basically God. So we're God. So we're, so, well, and that's what, and that's really the thing that, uh, you know, a lot, a a lot of this belief in samsara is based on, which is that you are either going to achieve nirvana, um, and you remove yourself from that cycle, because there's misery inherent in death, like, in, in the cycle of death and rebirth, you know. Yeah, living sucks. We've always known that. They're not always going to be hits, right? Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, and then it's like, well, what happens if you you yourself achieve nirvana? Do you kind of stay behind and help other humans achieve nirvana? Which is what some people believe, especially in Buddhism. Like, you know, that's one of the things of Buddhism is that they have, almost have like saint kind of structure, with yeah. it, where, where like certain teachers are believed that to have ch- achieved nirvana and to have stayed on to help others achieve nirvana as like sort of permanent spiritual guides. Um, Which is like a real chill thing to do if you have the ability to just like fuck off to forever vacation. Right. Like, yeah. Props. Um, props. Um, but at which point you cannot be reincarnated. Yeah. Though. So there's a whole, there's a whole intricate system of like rules with it, which I, I just find it, to me, it's, it's very laughable to think that, 
you know, a human can just kind of know or not know, you know, or be so confident that they, yeah, they know what the cosmic truth is and just be so, and that's where it gets into like, it is the same as Christianity. It is the same as, you know, Judaism or Islam or anything on our end of the the spectrum, the sort of Western world's philo- philosophies that we that we've been thinking. You know, it's like we've and we. I I think the thing is, is they've been arguing about this for a lot longer. Yeah, so I feel like that's why they and the rules they've laid out for some of these practices. Eight million four hundred thousand. <laughs> truly, truly, truly experiences. Um, yeah, I think it, it's also just to me, I think important to, I feel like sometimes in the West, there's this, like, we put Eastern practices on such a pedestal. And I, I think that in some ways, like so much about Eastern practices, like you said, are really like, fantastic. But I think it's also important to take a step back and make sure that what we're consuming and becoming a part of is actually in alignment with what we believe. And I think that the reincarnation and the whole idea of karma can it's kind of a slippery slope to some stuff that to me doesn't sit well no truly 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 well and then there's the whole i mean if we really get into kind of the 20th century and beyond when we have course correction around the 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 feminist issue yeah because these are not like woke religions. They're still very, no. very patriarchal and like very, very like in the same ways that Christianity and Judaism are very much like women should be in the home. And like it is sort of reinforcing like because I think the whole like, you know, like convincing people to accept their lot in life. It's very capitalistic, too. It's like we need a lower class yeah and it's it's like sure the idea of being able to divorce yourself from like the need for material goods is like awesome and important but like you you also aren't it's not fair to put someone's like misfortune on them and make it their fault it's like that's what community is for supposed to be there to like help lift each other up instead of being like well but if you're poor, you definitely had it coming. I also just think it's so funny and like not to be so reductive because I'm just talking about olden times in general, like telling people to like omit their material luxuries, like back when the material luxuries were like a ceramic pot and a rug. Right. Like, like you tell people that nowadays, it's laughable because they're like, I'm limiting my screen time. Yeah. And I just, you know, I I think the idea of asceticism, though, is important to reincarnation, though, if we're, like, looking at Eastern philosophy, because that's another two schools of thought, is, like, are you, get, are you getting good karma by renouncing material possessions and, like, focusing your life on God and being holy? Or are you getting better karma by, like, going out and living your life, being fruitful and multiplying and that kind of thing? Oi. Oi. 
I also don't like point systems. I don't like the point system because then it's arb- it's arbitrary as fuck. But what I will say is I do kind of think the I the base idea of reincarnation is very interesting to me. We always yeah. we always joke about the pre-womb lounge, but I think I've had some dreams that have had a past life flavor. Yeah, I mean, I think that for me, like my own personal beliefs, and I think I've talked about on here too, is like, I believe in reincarnation in the sense that like, we know that like energy and matter is not created or destroyed. It is. And so it's like this iteration where I am Shannon is like one experience of this energy that is my current life force. And when I am done using it, will become the energy for something else. It's like, will that be another human? Will it be a cat? Will it be like a carrot? Like, you know, that energy goes somewhere. But I I don't think the energy is tied to something like a quote unquote soul. It's like, I feel like I'm getting to borrow this piece of like the universe. And I just get like that cheesy thing where it's like you're you're like cosmic being that's experiencing consciousness as opposed to the other way around it's like we're all part of the cosmos right no and that's that's really where it gets very like think pc where it's like yeah oh you know there's only there's one cosmic consciousness and we're actually only separated from that during our quote-unquote lifetime yeah um and you know it's like that's where it's very like it's it's all just speculative oh yeah there's no like here's the definitive right answer i mean god if we had that i don't think we'd be podcasting and they've well and they and they've tried to devise tests though you know sort of like how they 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 sit down the baby that could be the dalai lama in front of all the old dalai lama stuff and yeah they figure out who gets the right spoon right 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 and you know like i mean which all just seems so 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 very arbitrary yeah have you met babies they grab shit like no matter what it doesn't mean that, that's, true. that's true babies just grab shit babies just be grabbing stuff um and that's the end of the podcast baby just be grabbing stuff well, um, no, but i think it's funny you know i think we did kind of reserve a little spot here just to kind of talk about two since we're equal opportunity shitters on of organized religion and like even the dalai lama who seems a charming man yeah generally uh, but also i think the whole like you've been a god king for 80 years like no one everyone's fucked up after that yeah i mean look what what we see with the dalai lama is what we saw with michael jackson you make someone a celebrity from the get-go it fucks with a person right it's and it's absolutely going to fuck with you and you know it's like you might tell a young boy to suck on your tongue you might tell a young boy to suck on your tongue also, why do these people get to be like lifelong appointments? I mean, you kind of think I the same that. thing. You kind of think the same thing with like the last pope where he was just like out scaring the kids because he looked <laughs> like he was dead. I mean, hi, England. Speaking of <laughs> lifetime appointments. Speaking of lifetime appointments. Oh my um, God. 
Um, it's, I just think that there's no, and again, this is like organized religion, but really just like it's, I mean, this is such a stoner sode, so I hope y'all are just like enjoying this, but I think it gets to that sort of like power issue too, right? Because it's like what we see with like political structures and the building of empire, it's the same thing. It's just like a different tool for like people building hierarchies for supremacy and power over others. Religion is just one of the tools. And so it's like any organized religion is going to have problems if there's a hierarchy where there are leaders, because then if there are leaders, there are inevitably people that are below those leaders. And at a certain point, those people will get taken advantage of. Right. And uh, all of that to say, um, it, yeah, I think all organized religions are equally ridiculous. Same. But I do, I do think, you know, reincarnation kind of separate from its origins is such an interesting idea to think about, though, because I also think, what would I want to be reincarnated as? Oh, yeah. You know, like, I think, I think it'd be dope to be an albatross. I think I always say that, though. Just, like, never land and fly, yeah. fly over the sea eating fish, like... Yeah, and I've seen, like, reincarnation, I think, also, you get into so many different things, because I've I've seen some people, too, that are, like, you know, the journey through the Zodiac is part of the reincarnation cycle, so, like, you know, if you're in this life as a Virgo, you were a Leo in the previous life. Um, I think if I came back, I mean, I know it's trite, but honestly, like, being a house cat would be dope. Being a house cat would be a good one. Or even like, you know, just like a well cared for cared for lap dog. Oh yeah. I'd be a little yappy baby. You know, like an like a medium old ladies dog. Yes. Like yes. You know what I mean? Where she's not so old she doesn't take her dog out anymore. So you're yeah. not like you're not a crusty white dog. No, you're like Sandy's um Yorkies that she had <laughs> that one of them just died and they live to be like 18. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, that's the mood. I think that uh I think that being reincarnated as an animal would be cool. But also I'm like I I feel like it's also really limiting though to try and think about what I'd want to be reincarnated as because really what I would love to be reincarnated as is like a life form on an alien planet that's like completely different than this because that would be fun. That would see and that's what I think too where really though the cycle of reincarnation and uh, death really does not seem that interesting to me unless there is, like, an alien option. Like, There has to be. Like, I've seen a hummingbird. I don't need to be a hummingbird. Yeah, I've been here. I've done Earth. Let's go elsewhere next time. Right, like, I want to be a floating blob. Oh my god, I would love to be a person with hot dog fingers. <laughs> <laughs> or okay, but then there's kind of the thing where it's like, what if it's not even reincarnation? What if it's just like an infinite number of slightly parallel universes? Yeah, I mean, I like to think that if that's the case, um, whoever I like, whatever reincarnation or incarnation, Nick, where you and I are two rocks on a cliff will still be two rocks on a cliff but i i think there is something to this idea of reincarnation where it's like you're called to certain people and i do i hate the idea i hate the term soul contract because i fucking know 
but right. I like the idea of you having these like bigger than life like bonds with certain people like I have always felt like you and I have been friends in different iterations no and that's definitely something that I was going to bring up because it's like it's hard not to think about reincarnation as like a firmer belief when I think about like yeah I do feel like we have known each other before yeah and like we joke about like the pre-womb lounge but like like I said, kind of circling back around, I have had dreams before where it very much has, and you know, I'm I'm someone who appreciates aesthetics. So like, I definitely had dreams that were like in other decades. And one does have to wonder, it's like, how, is my brain sort of faithfully recreating this just based on like what I know about those decades? Or like, like that seems like a lot of work. Especially yeah. when most dream stuff is not that coherent anyway, like. Yeah, no, I've, I've had, like, very um, specific eras of dreams. For me, it's often will be, like, very pre-modernity are probably some of the more common ones I have, like, old school village type stuff. Oh, sure. And, you know, it's like, again, I'm a creative person. It's a much uh, shorter, like, line to connect the points between reincarnation and those dreams versus my subconscious and some of those dreams. Right. I mean, but it's kind of one of those things where it's, like, that doesn't constitute proof by any means. Nope. Because for, you can't prove it. Especially not for another person. But... And that's really where it does get in, it has to get into the realm of like belief, right? Yeah. Where if you believe that you've had certain dreams that like were from a past life, then, you know, that's a, that's a belief, but um, you can't really call that proof. Although I would say one of the really interesting things just from people trying to like have these arguments over centuries and centuries of time was they have used dreaming as sort of proof that there is consciousness separate from the body. Which I think is such an interesting conclusion to come to, like, pre-industrial revolution. Like... Yeah. Yeah. Like, they did seem to have some understanding of consciousness and unconsciousness. Like, they really were thinking about thinking a lot. <laughs> um. I did have to take a fucking freshman year seminar class uh, as part of like my undergrad degree at UT. And it was called thinking about thinking across the disciplines. Oh, sure. I mean, it's. But that's what it is. That's what it is. <laughs> but it's like, uh, yeah, reincarnation. You're never going to, you're never going to prove it. You can't. You can't. Like we're not all Dory Seif. We didn't come back and just know what was going to happen. Right. Um, <laughs> well, well, yeah. okay. I guess, um, I guess it's time for Taroscope. Yeah. Which I'm having trouble finding my Zodiac cards because I do have two cats, um, which is <laughs> just absolutely too many. Um, but I did, I did have a backup plan, which is that we're doing it for Taurus season. Which I actually, okay, here's how I interpret this reading, because I got strength reversed. 
on the dragon deck, which, you know, what a beautiful card. I am going to show a really pretty card. right side up with this kind of forest on the bottom and like space up top and like this <laughs> sun. Yeah, oh. yeah, the sun's gorge. It's it's a gorgeous card. It's a gorgeous card. But Strength of Earth would basically be saying kind of take a step back, build up your energy reserves, um, you know, to do some self-care time. But I kind of think truly like as a tarot scope and just kind of maybe even for the Tauruses I know in my life it's like you maybe this is not the year to like have a birth month you know yeah like we we get it like we love you you love you we all get to love you for your entire Taurus season but it's also kind of like, you know, maybe you don't have to go that hard this year. Like, maybe it's honoring your body to do some resting. Right. So, you know, so much to think about, Tauruses. Much indeed. Much indeed. Um, well, and I guess a few little baby asks then here at the end. Rate, review, yeah, subscribe. Little... Rate, review, subscribe. I mean, honestly, I'm going to bring this back. This podcast was good would be a great thing that you could like if you're giving five us stars. if you're giving us five stars anyway, just that sentence alone could really um bump up our profile. And yeah, so, that, so that we can be included when people look up good podcasts because they're not gonna know otherwise. I do also just have to say, um, our overall Spotify rating is like 4.7 stars. So I'd really love to hear from whoever gave us less than five stars. Like, like more than more than four stars. But less than five. So I'm like, you know, like I'm super stoked that people were reviewing it. I'd love to know why someone felt like we got a four star review. I'd love to hear how we could gain back that fifth star from you. I'd, I'd love to I'd love to run into this person maybe in a darkened back alleyway and just talk to them about why. They why they only why they gave us four stars why they couldn't just do the five not in a scary violent way at all but like no no fuck? no it's not the middle of aries season we're not threatening anyone we would never that would be irresponsible anyway so um what do we say to all those reincarnated witches out there to all those reincarnated witches blessed be bitches blessed be bitches goodbye Can you hear Willow chewing? I can a little bit. I mean, if I'm okay. being honest. <laughs> yeah. Willow, why did you wait to eat until I was... Okay, well, whatever. I'm going to introduce it, and then I'm going to just tell people that Willow's downstairs with me recording, and it's her birthday tomorrow, so people can't be mad. She's an Aries. <laughs> She's unapologetically taking up space. Um, and good for her. Yeah, honestly, we could all learn something from Willow. And we uh, have. And that's the podcast have. for the for the week. There we go. The end.